0: So, welcome to the program, John Benson Rowe. Uh, John is a psychotherapist in Charlotte, and he and I have known each other for 20 years or more. Welcome to the program, John.
1: Nice. Good to be back.
0: Yeah. Good to see you again. It's been a long time since we've connected. Well, one of the first things I to ask you about, because we, re- we have to be recording this on June 15 of 2020, which is right in the middle of the pandemic. And uh, if uh, any of your clients have had issues that brought about, brought about by the pandemic that uh, you've had to deal with?
1: Not all, but certainly some. Um, people stuck at home, couples trying to figure out um, how to be around each other all the time when they're used to having their own jobs. Uh, that's a challenge for folks. Uh, I've got several African-American clients that the combination of the coronavirus and um, the racial tensions going on in our country all over the place have really impacted them. Um, I've got clients who can barely leave the house without feeling afraid, Uh, Mm -hmm. feel so traumatized by what's been happening.
0: And and I think that's um, interesting that as majority white folks, we have never experienced what they experience every
1: day. Yeah. Um, It's hard hard to relate sometimes. Yeah. And just, uh, you know, as a therapist who's used to seeing people face-to-face, I've had to adjust to, um, you know, online video and FaceTime phone calls. Uh, but it seems to be going well. Uh, I think uh,
0: that's going to change the way we do business in a lot of ways, isn't it?
1: Well, I can't see the future uh, into the future where I'm going to be back seeing people face to face, not not (laughs) these waves of COVID-19 stop. My uh, daughter is a doctor.
0: She has been doing telehealth since all of this started. And I happened to see an article the other day, which was saying, basically that's going to be the methodology for the future after this is over. Right. Good time um, to invest in Zoom yeah, and TeleDoc. Yeah, it's going to be a different world. And Well, John, you and I have talked a lot in the past about men's issues. And, um, of course, men in balance is still very interested in that. I'd be interested in anything you have... Uh, Learn in the last years since we have been apart, uh, that you'd like to share about men's issues. You know, what I'm finding, just to kick it off, is um, with people being stuck in the house with each other, there's a lot more tension. You know, the uh, domestic violence calls are up uh, and those kinds of things. And I talk to guys who are just saying they're just beside themselves. They can't work, can't stand to be at home, and it's, it's really tough
1: yeah yeah well for sure over the past year um my caseload has changed i i see more men now than i ever used to i'm not sure what that's a function of but hopefully what it means is men are more comfortable asking for help and particularly asking for help around how to communicate how to talk about their feelings um, and also, at times, how to set boundaries. Um, a, a lot of women are really good at empowerment, but not they're not all that good at relationship. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, you know, men, men have something to say about communication from a position of respect and not just empowerment. I think if men feel respected, they feel a lot safer... To be able to disclose their feelings. So I still do a lot of work with couples trying to help them figure out the gender dance.
0: Yeah. Talk some
1: more about that. Well, you know, it's a stereotype because, uh, you know, men can be just as emotional as women can be. But in general, women are more comfortable talking about their feelings. Uh, but I find, um, you know, people may want to argue with me about this, but I don't really find women to be better at listening than men. Uh, <laughs> I, I find yeah. it to be just human nature that, you know, when you hear something that's not pleasant, you want to get defensive. And women are, women are just as bad about wanting to argue a point as men are.
0: Yeah. So, well, I wouldn't push that idea too far in mixed company, would you? <laughs>
1: Right, right. You have to be careful saying these things. They could be fighting
0: words. (laughs) But but I do find that to be true. Um, And and also, one of the things I've been toying a lot with lately is women as enablers for men's issues. Um, You know, women tend to give men a free pass when they don't want to talk or they don't want to deal with uh, their emotions. And so consequently, I mean, that happens throughout your lifetime. You're just expecting that to be the norm
1: yeah yeah well one of the things i say to women sometimes is uh instead of protecting their partner their male partner allow him to have a problem (laughs) because sometimes women seem to give a mixed message like they're they have something they really want to confront their partner about uh, but then they interrupt him and won't allow him to actually squirm a little bit. And it's it's good for men to squirm. Yeah. I, uh,
0: I happen to enjoy uh, All in the Family, the old Archie Bunker series from years ago. I was watching one the other night where Edith had really gotten aggressive about something that Archie had done and, and was insistent on getting an apology. <clears throat> and of course, I, I, Archie was not about to make an apology. And at the very end of the show, um, she's talking to him very seriously. And he's saying, well, you know, I was thinking about it, you know, she's, and you were about to say, I'm sorry, weren't you? <laughs> and so, and he's, he's, thank you for saying, I'm sorry. <laughs> right. <laughs> so this caretaking thing, I think that women get uh, so used to doing, it can, it can go too far.
1: Absolutely. Well, you know, we all have a past, and um, you know, I think sometimes women get kind kind of tangled up. They, they want their man's affection and understanding and listening, but uh, sometimes they've been wounded by their own fathers, and they don't know whether to confront the guy or take care of the guy. So I think a lot of therapy is, is helping people to kind of dig back into their past and, and look at what's getting in the way other than what's going on in the present.
0: Yeah. Wow. It'd be nice if we could raise uh, children not to need therapy after after we just let them out of the nest. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's, that's a tough call. Yeah. Well, um, I, I agree with you. I am finding more men that are, Interested in talking? Uh, I just put out a new book on men's issues, and I'm, I offered it for free on the website, and so I'm getting a lot of requests for that. You know, I think eight or ten years ago, you might not have gotten that kind of interest. Um, but, I, but I'm not sure if that's um, coming from within men
1: or pressure from the women they're with. What do you think? Maybe a combination. You know, maybe a combination. You know, I'm in hopes that we're a time in our culture where, you know, we've kind of seen the the destruction that comes from people divorcing too quickly. Uh, And I work with couples that sometimes have one or two or three or more marriages behind them. And um, I think part of what's going on there is is people pull out too quick rather than work on the skills it takes to create a lasting relationship. Uh, So I'm hopeful that our culture in general is getting more sober about realistic expectations of marriage.
0: Well, when it comes to men in that issue, um, I mean, I think men have traditionally sort of been ready to hit the door when things go badly. But um, what do you recommend for them to really get introspective and uh, figure out what part of the problem
1: belongs to them? Yeah. Find a good therapist. (laughs) (laughs) That's helpful. But I I am reading a, a really great book that I'm recommending to people now. It's called A Course in Love. It's a novel. And it's written by a guy named Boton, B-O-T-T-O-N. He's actually a philosopher. But it's just a beautiful, realistic story about a young couple that falls in love, and then they get married, and they start to have all sorts of problems like all marriages do. And he's really helpful in terms of commentary on what's going on in the relationship and normalizing that you know, when you choose someone to marry, you're choosing someone's problems. And you can decide to end the marriage and go find somebody else, but you're going to go find somebody with their own set of problems. So uh, I think it does a really nice job in the book of saying that because marriage in general is such a private affair, we think that when we're having problems, we're the only ones. Yeah. And everybody else's marriage is better than ours.
0: Yeah. Well, we do sort of hold up an ideal, don't we, that um, as though that's something
1: we've got to meet, and I'm not sure any of us can meet that ideal. No, the, the fact is that you can be with some one person, um, you know, relative to COVID, you can be with somebody 24 hours a day and experience the whole range of emotions from deep love to deep hatred, yeah. toward the same person. <clears throat> Yeah, I think my wife did a good job of teaching me that
0: I could um, be angry or she could be angry at me and, you know, that could be dealt with and we can get over it and move on. Uh, I think, you know, my history would have been to stay, hang on to that nurse, that grudge and all of that. Oh,
1: yeah, yeah. Well, some of my favorite work is done with people in their 70s and even 80s, couples who are still doing the work of trying to figure out how to balance love and anger. And they're often finding out even in their 70s and 80s that they still have wounded parts from their past that uh, their partner can help them heal.
0: Yeah, that's the interesting thing. I mean, um, I think the partner can see the connection if they know the family story, they can see the connection between the behavior and and the history. Uh, whereas we can't see it ourselves. I mean, it's just a blind spot.
1: Oh yeah. Right. And I, I do think women get tired of trying to help their male partners, husbands or significant others. Um, Cause that's a role that women are used to helping their male partners. But what they really need is a good therapist is going to help them look at things together and take that burden off of the, uh, The woman
0: and i'm seeing even older couples because i'm around more older couples now who are ready to call it quits even at a late stage in life because they're just not willing to tolerate that stuff anymore
1: yeah yeah
0: peace of mind matters doesn't it
1: (laughs) well and there's there's so much at stake i mean relative to what you just said when uh couples marry late in years and inevitably they, they problems, uh, they can either hunker down and wait until each other dies or one of them dies. Mm -hmm. They can try to improve their relationship. It's never too late to work on communication skills and conflict management skills.
0: Yeah, so um, I'm just thinking about the fact that I'm around a lot more older couples now because I'm in a retirement but um, there is still this tendency on the part of older women to sort of defer to the men up to a point, but there is a point at which, uh, you know, she will say not anymore. So I find that a curious mixture. It's sort of like they're they're stuck in the old past, but they're trying desperately to move into a a new paradigm.
1: Yeah. It's really interesting. It's like there's two sets of rules. Yeah, there really are.
0: Yeah. And I
1: think, their parents used, and then the set of rules that we've been using, trying to use since the year 2000. Yeah. And,
0: and I think, you know, men are sort of slow to catch up on some of the more recent <laughs>
1: rules and expectations. Um, well, you're being kind. Some, some men never got the memo. Yeah. Right. Well, That's sad. Um,
0: so, what do you see as, uh, in terms of spiritual? things for men I mean I, I, I find um, maybe I'm just wishful thinking here but I'm finding men more attentive to their
1: spiritual side these days are you seeing any of that um I don't only in my small uh, neck of the woods um, I'm a sometimes part of a men's Bible study that we still meet on zoom and it's really well attended I think it's because our pastor is just a very open, transparent guy. He doesn't try to tell us what we should think or what we believe or how we should read the Bible, but he's really good at expressing his views and then listening to us as we you know try to, to deal with the issues that come up. So, I certainly hope that that's the fact that men are more comfortable. But I still think men need to find groups of men uh, to talk about spiritual issues. And and every issue is a spiritual issue. (laughs) That's right. Yeah. There are are no non-spiritual issues. Yeah. And the thing
0: is, my experience is when men discover that the other men in the room have the very same issue or a variation of it that they have, then that makes it okay to talk about it, finally.
1: Well, that's, that's the greatest spiritual thing in the world is to feel like uh, you're accepted and you belong and you're more like people than different.
0: Well, um, we need to wrap up, I guess, but I'm thinking about the future after covid whenever that is. I've been watching a series on uh, Netflix about the earlier plague, (laughs) the medieval plague. And it's curious how, uh, you know, people's attitudes and so forth then are similar to what we're having now. I'm just curious what you think
1: um, our mental state might be when this is all over, if it's all over. Boy, you've you've tossed me a big question. I don't know, Jerry. You know, I get, I'll be honest, I get anxious and depressed when I think too far into the future. Um, Today I had to rebook a trip to Europe that we had planned on taking in August. I had to book it out to fall of 2021 because that's the earliest that I feel safe traveling. Mm. So if I think about that, it makes me angry. Yeah, Traveling, you you know, I, I, that was one of the things that uh, in retirement I wanted to do more of. And, and and now that's just not a wise option. So when I think too far into the future, I just get upset. So I really try to focus on the day. And uh, one of the things that helps me do that is, uh, it's one thing to know all the people who have uh, lost loved ones because of the coronavirus. But as I've started to hear stories close to home, uh, it's made me appreciate the fact that today is all we have. Yeah, We don't have a guarantee for tomorrow. And we better make the most of uh, the time we have to do what we love and love who we love and live the day well.
0: Wow. That's a good note to end on. I appreciate that. Uh, that thought. I will say this: now that I'm in a retirement home where you expect people to die, <laughs> it's still a shock when it happens. I mean, you know, uh, there'll be, you know, two or three deaths a month. But even when it happens, you're always shocked by it. It's folks that you've been interacting with, having dinner with, or whatever. So, uh, yeah. it's a it's a tough thing to get used to. Yeah. Any parting words you want to share before we wrap it up?
1: Well, the, the, the set box I'm on these days is, uh, because we need to care for each other, wear your mask. Oh, yes. All I ask is wear your mask, right? (laughs) Wear your mask. (laughs) The more more of us that wear a mask, the faster we'll get through this. Oh man. And we hope that's going to be all we need, right? That's right. John, it's
0: so good to catch up with you again. Thanks for your time.
1: I enjoyed it, Jerry.
0: Yeah. John Benson Rose, psychotherapist in Charlotte, and thank you for this on Men and Balance. I'm Jerry Hancock. Thanks for joining us.